Where is the love? asked the black-eyed piece. With a little more love. Maybe innocence like the killing of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and other unarmed African-Americans by police would not have happened. We here at Solutions of Violence, as well as our guest today, Vincent Gonzalez from Hunger Strikers 502, are asking the same questions. Where is the love? Welcome, friends and neighbors. You are listening to Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM. This is Solutions to Violence, a program sponsored by Forward Radio. Forward Radio is a subcommittee of the Lobo Fellowship of Reconciliation. Following is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The bits expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. The producers of Solutions to Violence are Jamie McMillan and me, Jump Johnson. Our technical engineer is Carolyn Brooks Johnson. So our guest today is Vincent Gonzalez from Hunger Strikers for Brianna. Vincent Gonzalez is a social worker by trade. He has been a political activist since 2011. He is now on the board of the Kentucky Alliance Against Racism and Political Repression. Welcome, Vincent Gonzalez. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. So, Vincent, you have become a political activist because you want justice for Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and other African Americans you feel who have been unjustly killed by police officers. What does justice mean in particular in the case of Breonna Taylor? What do you want to see happen to the local Metro police officers that were involved in the event that ended the life of Breonna Taylor? Yes, so the specific goal of this campaign is that we demand that the cops responsible for the murder of Breonna Taylor are stripped of their badges and pensions, okay? So uh, of the three who shot into her apartment, one, Brett Hankinson, has already been fired from the force, but it turns out he was not fired due to that shooting of uh, Breonna Taylor, but for some uh, previous uh, misconduct allegations. The two other ones, John Mattingly and Miles Cosgrove, we want their badges, and we want to make sure that they are not benefiting from the pension system. Brett Hankinson is included in that as well. Okay, did not know that. The servings of the no-knock warrant and killings of Breonna Taylor occurred March 13th, 2020. So you feel the three Louisville police officers should have been fired and prosecuted. Why? Yes, so fire, uh, which is the primary goal of the campaign, yes, I believe so, due to the, the egregious act, the fact that they were not in sync with protocol. They acted outside of... Uh, what their rules of engagement were, and just all of the facts of the case coming out in terms of having the wrong person, the person that they were looking for was in jail at the time during the uh, break-in, uh, just a lot of uh, inexcusable, egregious mistakes were made. Um, in terms of pivoting a little bit uh, in terms of the uh, arrest and conviction, while that is... Uh, not a uh, primary goal of the campaign. Personally, I am, I am, you know, a supporter of that measure, but we've had some internal discussions and perhaps uh, why that is not a primary goal of the campaign was due to A.G. Cameron's, just from a place of feasibility. Uh, his Attorney General. To, yes, Attorney General 
uh, Daniel Cameron, the feasibility of him doing that. Uh, we were, I guess, having internal discussions about uh, what that looked like. This is such a strange time. We don't know, but like just being a student of history, knowing that legal redress bathes us in so many ways. And in this case, um, someone for, with a legalism uh, background, they perhaps would be less inclined to, to take a bold stance. So, you know, there's there's like what should have happened. My granny used to call it a, a case of the spolsters, you know, what, what you're supposed to do and uh, what people will do in a, in a scenario. It sometimes doesn't sync up. So uh, we felt like stripping of their badges and pensions was a bit more of an obtainable goal. Okay, so the investigation of the event that resulted in the death of Breonna Taylor is now in the hands, as you pointed out, of the Kentucky State Attorney General Daniel Cameron. The event that took the life of Breonna Taylor occurred over four months ago. Daniel Cameron has yet to set a timeline to complete the investigation. Cameron claims, quote, from the beginning, our office has set out to do its job to fully investigate the events surrounding the death of Miss Brianna Taylor. We continue with a fair investigation. A quote from the article, quote, protesters marched to AD's front yard, end quote, penned by Bailey, Luce Moore, Hayes Gardner, and Ben Tobin, and published in the Louisville Courier Journal, Wednesday, July 15, 2020. But you, Vincent, you believe the investigation is taking too long. Do you not buy Cameron's explanation as to why it's taking so long? No, I don't. You know, we're just, just seeing these things, once again, from a historical lens. Uh, we've seen uh, justice evade us and these sort of nondescript press statements. You know, we're going to hold you accountable uh, for these words. You know, it's, you know, you may say, hey, we, we just want a thorough investigation, but reading between the lines... Not to not to call you a liar, but you know we're, we'll be standing right next to you to make sure that you're actually doing what you say you're doing. So, you know, if I had a, a, a betting man, I wouldn't hold my breath on them. It's you know all signs point to them kind of dragging their feet. If I had to take my best guess personally, uh, they're trying to dissipate uh, some of the energy uh, that people out in the streets have they're hoping that it dies down so when they announce they can it, it perhaps won't hit them as hard because i think they can i don't folks in these states here you know political machines these are they know a thing or two you know so they got they, they knew how to they have electability you know they knew how to work these mechanisms so perhaps they they can understand that this is a bit of a powder keg if they announce uh, no indictment of these officers, this city will uh, rise up and they may not be able to control it. So, you know, that if I had to take my best guess, that's perhaps what's going on. But I think we stay uh, focused and this campaign is very much so a, uh, a focusing attempt uh, that says we will not be ignored. So, Vincent Gonzalez, you, you believe that Cameron is stalling. He's an elected political official. So is there a connection? Is there a political reason for Cameron uh, not completing this investigation in a timely manner? Yeah, I, 
I'd say so. It's so hard to get into like the minds of person, but just if you understand systems, you know, he's beholden to a base. His base, uh, you know, he's a he's a Mitch McConnell acolyte, and within that base, I think they understand that the eyes of their eyes say, uh, you know, parts of the world are on Louisville, Kentucky at this time, and the stalling attempt, like I said, is perhaps a uh, uh, an attempt to dissipate. Um, but you know, his base uh, is not 100%. Which I, you know, what I challenged that a little bit. I've seen across political spectrums uh, persons who the egregiousness of this case has really shook people at its core. Just, just the, the various no regard for her after they shot her. Just, I mean, I, I can. It's really hard to kind of weigh into the the details of the case because it's, it's it's very it's a very tragic situation. Um, but I think you know those that are read on that. I just I think like I said across political spectrums, it's just this is very jarring. So they know that, but they're also beholding to that base perhaps. Um, so you can't serve two masters. You know what justice and what you know the 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 reasonable uh, citizen would see as um, justice. You know the the uh, the just desserts of of the consequences of someone's actions. That rubbing up against, uh, you know, this uh, beholden to the police state, some, you know, somewhat of a idea that the police state can do no wrong. And then, they, you know, you start getting into narratives of denigration of people's character, things of that nature. There's so many different angles with this. But, yeah, it's it's very curious case we find ourselves in. So, so Vincent Gonzalez, you, you're looking at this situation and you're looking at Cameron's uh, base, which may be very supportive of police departments. And that may be why he is stalling, slowing this investigation down. Yeah, I guess, I mean, there's that, uh, you know, perhaps there's uh, something with opening the floodgates, you know, uh, legal precedents. And uh, if you rule on this case, all of the... Because this, this tragic situation is, uh, Breonna Taylor is one of numerous just gross acts of misconduct. And just in our city, state alone, if you do that, we're going to have to hit uh, the rewind button and look at all these other cases, perhaps, you know, uh, that were swept under the rug. And so there's probably some, some maintaining of the, you know, the floodgates here, not wanting to go down the slippery slope of, of legal precedents. Um, but uh, we, you know, our hearts are hungry for justice, want to live in a, in a different world, regardless of these institutions that uh, have evaded justice for so long. So if that's, if that's their mindset, I'm challenging that. And I'm saying not on our watch. Okay, so you, you mentioned justice here. So just as you have explained it, Vincent, in the case of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, and other Americans killed by police, why is that justice so important? Well, I guess looking at the just egregious history of, uh, you know, I would say the founding of America, pre-colonial America, well, you know, even the, you know, once uh, the colony ships came in, the original sin uh, being the uh, genocide 
of indigenous persons. And then, which is really hard to rank both awful things, the slave, the illustrious, you know, the, the, the just horrific history of uh, slavery, those kind of being the two concurrent uh, original sins of the founding of this country. Uh, we've never truly addressed that with the um, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. We had a very short uh, reconstruction period, which was just decimated at its core. So these things from 150 some odd years ago, we still you know, stand in its shadows. We have not truly had the race conversation one to one. And we see this through a mass amount of statistics, the, the inequalities uh, amongst you know persons of colors uh, in, in comparison to whites in this country. So I don't know if they know this yet. You know, I mean, some, uh, myself, I can trace my history. I have an African-American mother whose uh, ancestry is uh, in the state of Kentucky. I can trace uh, my ancestry upwards of six generations from the plantations of Burksville, Kentucky, uh, Cumberland County. And so we have this group of citizenry that has been here longer than many persons during, you know, second wave immigration from around the early you know, 20th century, late 19th century. Um, we have them, and but they're not, they're not going anywhere. You know, we have to have that conversation. What do we do with these citizenry? We say that they have equal rights and equal protections under the law. Their actions and statistics speak otherwise. So that's why justice is so important. If these ideals, if we truly, truly mean them, we must act upon them and, and ensure that across the spectrum, we are all treated within the specter of our level of justice. So that means, uh, I guess, to use, I guess, a labor stating, you know, uh, honest wages for honest day's work, you know, like, I want that as it pertains to uh, societal life. I don't, for example, I don't get five years in jail which, uh, for, for a crime that a white person gets six months. You know, we see these just egregious cases. Or a so suspended sentence. All, I'm sorry? Or a suspended sentence. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, we, we even see it. It's funny, these, you know, these executive actors are carrying it out as we uh, are in the streets in protest. I saw one example, just real quick in passing, of a, uh, you know, a film identifying person of color. This is the same action. This is the, you know, uh, persons participating in the same protest. Uh, and they had, you know, they'll do the mugshot in charge uh, on the same. If you get locked up at the same time, they'll do everyone kind of together. Mugshot in charge. This is on the, uh, the city jails database website. This is, you know, you can check in and see if someone's currently incarcerated. And um, we saw, I saw this picture the other day of someone who was arrested during an action. Uh, this um, femme identifying person of color, she received a, a bit more heavier charge than, you know, the next, the next picture you see is a white man uh, in the same protest receiving a, a lesser charge. She got like disturbing the peace and something else. 
and he just got failure to disperse, you know? So we see these things and it's, how intentional is that? It's, it, there I say it's as, as American as apple pie in so many ways, you know? We, yeah. It's, it's making our unconscious uh, to where it's just business as usual. We don't even bat an eye in so many ways. Uh, so, you know, the challenging of that, we're here, persons of color, we are here. We're not going anywhere. We've, uh, in so many ways, helped build this country. So please give us our, I, I, I love the, you know, the Langston, uh, the Langston Hughes poem, I too sing America, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I am, I am very much, like I said, you know, trace five generations back. I, you know, I've seen Kentucky. <laughs> I am a, uh, you know, I have a proud Kentuckian and I will hold this state of mind accountable. Okay, so Vincent Gonzalez, you have chosen to participate in a hunger strike until a Breonna Taylor event investigation is complete. Have you also participated in demonstrations? Why? Uh, yes, I have. So I was not out there during the first week of some of the uh, mass demonstrations in the Breonna Taylor case, which kicked off, I want to say, in such a whirlwind. Every day feels like a month. I want to say... Uh, Around about April or so, things really kind of kicked up a notch. This was a the George Floyd murder, very much kind of uh, reinvigorated things. Even though Brianna had been killed prior to that, it was very much radio silent in so many ways. So the George the George Floyd case just um, really galvanized. The, that went global, and. I think some people started digging around and like, oh, look over here. This is it's this is a horrible contest to have, but it's like this is a highly egregious case that was actively being swept under the rug. So from that, I was not out there during the first week, uh, but during that second week, just uh, provided myself as a volunteer to uh, Injustice Square, Beyond Square, however you may call it, that uh, that little square plot of land across the street from the courthouse. We'll do some night uh, patrols there, make sure that everybody had what they needed, participated in some street marches. And then from there, through my uh, network of uh, social justice friends, was on the bridge uh, about three weeks or so ago uh, when we hung a banner in honor of Brianna Taylor and just multiple names and faces of persons who were unjustly killed by the police. So oh. I was arrested in that action myself and uh, 37 others and, you know, did about 12 hours in a holding cell, uh, which was very interesting. It was my first time being arrested and just seeing the inner workings of the correctional system. Uh, it was a very eye-opening experience. Okay. So... Vincent, the, the civil rights marches that occurred in the 1960s were mostly peaceful. Because they were peaceful, even when the African-American demonstrators were beaten, they attracted empathy and as a result expanded their numbers. Is that the reason you prefer a peaceful demonstration? Are there other reasons for protests to remain peaceful? Yeah, I am very much fond of the the passive resistance that the STLC, SNCC, uh, so many of those core 
you know, so many of those inner working organizations from that 50s and 60s era. Um, I'm, I'm highly, you know, enamored with their work. You know, I stand on their shoulders. And so as a testament to what they did, I, I just, you know, studying the power of those of those moments. Yes, yeah, so I, I am in agreement. I personally, and maybe this is my own personal opinion, it's easy to go out there and break things. And I, I say that not as a value judgment, but, you know, it, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a long game type of guy. You know, Tiger Woods, it's like, what, what perhaps is the long game? You you may, you know, there might be some righteous indignation uh, in these acts, um, but understanding the, the executive branches, um, their fixation with personal property, you know, or private property, business property, they may come down harder on you because of that. And do you have the scaffolding to handle how hard they're going to come on you when you, you know, destroy private property. That's a personal choice that everyone needs to make. I, my, my biggest thing is do no harm. I would want to see uh, someone placed in harm's way. Once again, not a value judgment, but for me and myself, I prefer to demonstrate and protest in a way that if I can internalize this as much as possible, there's a, there's a risk of harm in what we're doing. And that is within ourselves. No one's being late to work because I've blocked the highway. No one's, I'm not leading someone uh, into a hell of rubber bullets, you know? So yeah, I, I look at those moments. I, I kind of somewhat challenging the notion, this is amongst, and this is a, a, an opinion I held in the past of perhaps the perception that this uh, passive resistance is uh, a weakness in some sort of way. But in my older age, I'm realizing, man, how much strength is it? How much strength does it take to continue, turn the other cheek is the proper term, but to to not retaliate in the face of these, these mendastic, egregious acts. It takes a lot. It's, it's, dare I say, you know, I can't quantify it, but like 20 times harder <laughs> to, to not strike uh, the, the person who is attacking you than it is to stand firm. Because like we see the we, we bear the fruits of what the civil rights movement uh, did in that. You, like, you, you, like you mentioned, the media narrative, people sacrificing and persons died in this pursuit. You know, middle America got the seat Persons on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, elderly women of color were being trampled by horses. And perhaps whereas things weren't as egregious in those corners of America, they got to see through their TV screens like, oh, my God, is this my country? So, you know, these things have a place and I'm uh, in honor of those places. I'm trying to do something in, in my own way that, you know, respects that. So your position brings Brewery back, the memory of John Lewis, who just passed away last week, now a national hero. The sacrifices he made, even when he was being beaten by deputy sheriffs, actually Ku Klux Klan people masquerading as deputy sheriffs. That movement, led by John Lewis, Martin Luther King, Diane Nash, others, James Bevel, did result 
in the passage of the Civil Rights Act, the past of the, vote, the Voting Rights Act. So um, this is, maybe we can dedicate this program as a tribute to John Lewis. Uh, I can't That would be great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and his, his, proceed, his uh, methods were effective. So we're reaping the benefits of the sacrifices that were made by John Lewis and others. So are you a member of Black Lives Matter? They're, they're, they have a, a, a very... Uh... Um, that's a bit of a... So I guess the media narrative, I guess not to pivot, but I guess I am pivoting. Uh, no, um, to answer the question, no, I'm, I'm not an official member of Black Lives Matter, uh, but I, I look at like Antifa, perhaps, whereas they're like, there is no Antifa. They're like, like you know, there's no like, Antifa HQ in Walla Walla, like you can't just go. You know what I mean? It's, it's a uh, these uh, current progressive movements, they're very much interconnected networks of persons who, you know, they're not walking around with a membership card. You know what I mean? So I was around 2014 or so, uh, one of the persons who helped uh, get the local chapter of Black Lives Matter started up. But at this current time, I, we are. Uh, this action, we do have affiliations with Black Lives Matter, but it's a completely uh, separate entity. Uh, so, like, it's a free-flowing network. There, I say, somewhat akin to, if you understand the structure of the Kentucky Alliance, uh, the Kentucky Alliance is, uh, you know, truly based on the, the, the term alliance, it's a inner working, a multi-dimensional, multi-ethnic, a variance of orientations, ages uh, in that work network and people are a part of other you know social justice systems as well you know i guess is i don't know just somewhat challenging that notion of i'm with this one group and this is this is what we're doing i know i i kind of uh danced around the question but no i'm not i'm not with the black lives matter movement in town but i i support and work in concert with them the bridge action the uh Breonna taylor banner was a Black Lives Matter action, uh, which I was uh, informed of and, and a part of. Okay, so but there are no central organization that's leading the the organization of this movement. It's just kind of... Yeah, I, I don't know if that's, that's a hard thing. You know, and you'll see maybe one organization that holds a, a bit more prominent role on the outskirts, but it's, it's, this is very much... It's minestrone soup, you know. It's like we throw it in, you know. We got some, you know, some pasta noodles, you know, stewed tomatoes. You know, what I'm it's like it's it's quite a mix of uh, different persons uh, working together and just sort of uh, uh, hopefully we blend into some sense of justice, you know. But I, I I think that's an effective model. Whereas you know you see a need for this fight, you know, we got persons uh, the ACLU is, uh, you know, the supporters of this movement, uh, this current action that we're part of. The street medics, the team of uh, uh, Louisville community, uh, you know, medical supporters, and some of the great work that they've done, making sure that uh, people that are uh, standing up for their rights are being safe, that they're well protected. They're, they're helping us out in our medical checks. So, yeah, this is quite the... Uh, movement of solidarity okay so let's talk about this hunger strike thing so the yes. hunger strike is a technique used in america 
by the suffragettes in the 1920s and used again in India by Mahatma Gandhi in 1930. Certainly a peaceful means of protesting. What is your purpose in participating in a hunger strike? What do you expect to happen here? Yes, I hope that this garners attention for justice for Breonna Taylor. What we're going to see is, I, I call this a provocative act. Very little neutrality in terms of how someone feels about a hunger strike. You know, it's, it, it's, there is something in you. We've seen from just from the uh, network of support we've received, people are very much uh, called to action, uh, if you will. I think people see like the sincerity of the act. Persons willing to risk their personal safety in a way that is internal and or just the pure act of foregoing personal pleasure for an extended amount of time. Many people have seen that sincerity of the, of the act. And then on the other side of that coin, these political actors, these persons that we are trying to reach out to, you kind of have to, you got to respond to it, you know? You have to address what this is because of, of how provocative it is. And how you respond to it creates a, you know, a paper trail of public perception. If you ignore someone who is uh, willing to starve for a cause, maybe it doesn't look too good on your end, you know? You perhaps are, uh, you, you have to, you're beholden to how the public would perceive your allowance of uh, one of your citizens for going nourishment. So, it, you know, it, it, I felt like it spoke volumes in so many ways, just being a student of history, uh, understanding the power of these hunger strikes. And like I said, not I, I didn't want, I could not sleep. I could not live with myself with the feeling that, man, they're, they're trying to sweep this under the rug, man. They might get away with this. And I was like, nah, not in my town. So, yeah, but participating in a, in a hunger strike is very self-sacrificing. So there are other ways to protest, boycotting, demonstrating, Absolutely. writing letters to the editor, uh, civil disobedience, contacting political leaders. Why a hunger strike? I think, once again, the provocative nature of it. We live in a land of abundance. Miss lunch, and they're like, you know, we say we just throw the word around so casually. Oh, I'm starving, you know. <laughs> so I guess taking uh, account of persons' understanding of what it means to go without. So many different angles with this. I wanted to kind of uh, take advantage of that. Uh, most people that I spoke to about this, they're like, "Oh my God, I can never do this." And that for me it was like. Or, you know, or just outright, you're crazy, uh, which for me was like, okay, that means I need to do this. You know, if, the, the, uh, if it stirs something in you, then uh, that's what it is. And I think, you know, you touched on the personal sacrifice piece. I think that that really charges um, persons up to, you know, as a call to action, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's going to make uh, the politicians, the political leaders look pretty nefarious if they uh, uh, ignore. Say so, yeah. Yeah. You kind of look like a jerk if you don't respond to us, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, my best guess. I don't know. I don't, and I, I'm no fool. I have, we, we have had internal discussions of they could perhaps let us starve. They could, they could, uh, they could chew the clock, if you will, <laughs> and uh, hold the ball and wait us out, you know? This is uh, an indefinite strike. The human body can only go for so many days without uh, nourishment before it sees uh, some, you know, adverse effects. 
many of them irreversible. So I don't know. But I don't know if we're playing chicken or what. You know, I probably shouldn't mention chicken. I haven't ate. <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you know, but it's, yeah. I hope. I I I just it was a, a, a hypothesis that this would maybe drive things closer and starting to see it we're getting quite the response you know international media grabbed onto this uh you know some national outlets msnbc the guardian bbc that you know little old part of portland that she was trying to just you know sweep under i mean who'd have thought man little old louisville kentucky is uh persons from australia and uh zimbabwe are uh you know we're going beyond bats and uh, horse races here. So I think I gained a sense of pride in knowing that her name is on the tongue of those across the globe. Absolutely. So in terms of this hunger strike, Vincent, how do you define success? What has to happen here before you decide, okay, it's, it's time to run to McDonald's and get a hamburger here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's within the refeeding protocol, but... Um, <laughs> It kind of defeats the purpose. No, um, I think that's an ongoing discussion. There's perhaps, there's a uh, there's a number in my head personally uh, that I won't disclose uh, that I say, you know, if they're not willing to move, I can walk away from the table in pride knowing that I, I gave it all I had uh, for this cause. That number continues to change. Unfortunately, you know, within the media is, you know, Blood and guts, you know, <laughs> the media perhaps wants to see, they want to see suffering. Uh, so that number being in concert with the furthering of that narrative, it's, like I said, it's an ongoing conversation. But yeah, those goals being met, man, if they if they meet our, our, our demands, you know, stripping over their badges and pensions, if they do that by tonight, like I said, I'm revving up the cards, heading over to White Castle, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah we just we want justice it's not necessarily the act is provocation towards our cries for justice okay so louisville standing up for racial justice speaking of justice interfaith past to peace louisville soars for justice have sponsored some of the events that support justice for brianna taylor yes. these are mostly white groups are you willing to work with these groups Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, just I stand on those soldiers as well. I, I tell you, you know, you know, I'm pretty sure radio is a bit of, a, you know, kind of preaching to the choir here. But the beautiful, illustrious and Ann Braden is a personal hero of mine. I am, uh, unfortunately did not meet her while she was living. Uh, but just I, I cherish and Braden's stories. We, you know, the city of Louisville, we have this beautiful tradition of white anti-racist work, white, you know, social justice work, um, and understanding uh, the inner network that furthers this thing. And we've, we bear the fruits of that. The, the Braden story, the Wallace family, Mr. Holland, all the beautiful work uh, that you guys do with the Forest of No, absolutely. And this is a, this action of my four other participants, or three other participants, I'm the fourth. We are multiracial, multi-ethnic. We span across the uh, 
you know, we're queer, queer inclusive, we're all around the same age, so I wish I could have got, I could have hit that check mark, but I am fulfilled in multidimensional spaces, uh, very much so. I think that is really, in, in all of the spaces I've been in, ones that truly operate in that uh, synchronicity, they're, they're the most effective in my opinion, and I hope this is the furtherance of, you know, understanding, so this is, we're, we're going towards racial justice, towards persons of color, but understanding that this is a ongoing fight that, and we need everybody, all hands on deck, fit to serve, if you will. You know, we need those that are fit to serve uh, on these front lines. And so I, I honor and cherish my uh, fellow co-conspirators that they are sacrificing just the same. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Ann Braden is a Lewis Coleman and Ann Braden worked together many, many years, and, and yeah, so they they're, they led a very successful campaign. Let's explore this uh, idea of, of coalition a little further here. Uh, the Global Peace Movement advocates for resolving conflict, including international conflict, through peaceful means. So the peace movement is opposed to war. So are you willing to support forming a coalition with the groups that make up the Global Peace Movement? Oh, absolutely. Yes, this is a an act of uh, passive resistance, and it's very much, yeah, peace and love is at the core of what this action entails. So that would be lovely, man. I mean, we when we talk about barbarism and uh, inhumane actions, such as the one that was carried out on Brianna on that night, the world we want to live in, you know, truly be forward-minded and, uh, and look at that, you know, John, Les John Lennon, you know, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. You know, we create these coalitions of uh, persons that dare to dream of, like, what would a world without war look like? What would a world, and I, you know, I, I consider myself a prison abolitionist. You know, what would a world without prison, uh, as we know it, look like? A non-rehabilitatory, PTSD-producing, just corporal punishment-laden system. You know, I think we we have to keep asking these questions because this is, I, we can't live another day in these current systems as they stand. Okay, so you want, part of your hunger strike, you'd like to see uh, Metro Police Department reforms. What kind of reforms? Yes, absolutely. So uh, as a part of the defund the police movement, there's a lot more details on that in the uh, justiceforbriana.org. But uh, as a part of the defund the police movement, uh, we were talking about the divestment into boots on the ground, policing, the, the purchase of expensive tactical gear, including, you know, tear gas, which is banned by the Geneva Convention, you know, but you can use it on your fellow citizenry. Uh, we want to divest that money out of, you know, boots on the ground policing and into mental health services, uh, communal supports access to, you know, fresh food and, uh, uh, you know, the new term, whereas before food deserts was the term, you know, food apartheid laid in areas. Uh, my beautiful friend Karen Mouskowitz with New Roots is doing a lot of good work with that. Yeah, like I said, going back to like um, being a dreamer and re-envisioning uh, what a world would look like without so much police power. So 
the current demonstrations are also about economic, you kind of touched on this, economic and political reform, reparations, universal health care, elimination of redlining policy, free college tuition uh, for all those who qualify, affirmative action policy that eliminates racism within corporations, the elimination of food deserts, or demonstrations that result in pressuring the, the current political leadership to make these policy changes, or will they require a drastic change and political leadership. Uh, will uh, demo- I, I guess I understood the question. You know, is it, is it going to cause like are the is the current system as it stands beholden to public pressure? Can it meet these demands that we hold so dear, or do we need to just get those guys out of there and uh, reelect? Yeah, political leaders. Is that kind of what you were asking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess to be continued. I think you know we'll, we're going to give it a try here. I'm not much of a betting man. I don't want to, you know, I I tell you what, I'm a syndic in recovery in so many ways. Uh, I, I'm, you know, Carl Rogers, um, I am a, a, an admirer of his work and that, you know, finding the good in all of us. I'm no fool, you know, and I, I understand these things, but... Carl Rogers, um, a psychologist. Yes, yes. You know, Rogerian uh, psychology was, you know, find, finding the good. And everyone, you know, we all have, you know, where I guess it's easy to say that, you know, we have this inherent, if, if left to our own devices, commit bad acts. But I challenge that notion, man. I, my, my belief in humanity, the beauty of a, of a community when it comes together, is held responsible for its actions. Like I said, we're no fools. But I want to, I want to move towards just understanding how these political systems how they manipulate persons' ideals, poverty. We know for a fact, statistically speaking, the anxiety, depression, there's some, there's some links between poverty and psychoses. These, uh, these systems, these people, as you know, going from a pure Rogerian standpoint, no one, you know, birthed a child and said, you know what, I'm gonna uh, send this kid into a world of anguish, and you know what I mean, like kind of, you know, they, they. Uh, really put us in a bind here. So once again, I think when we, you know, when we come together, we dare to dream of, uh, you know, what these systems uh, can be, holding them up to these ideals. For what it's worth, let's strip away Thomas Jefferson, the fact that the Declaration of Independence was written by, you know, a slave owner of a, of a pretty substantial amount. You know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, all men are created equal and endowed by their creator. You know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Despite the background of the man who wrote that, I will embody that. I believe them to be beautiful words. Uh, and, and I will hold my city, state, and federal officials to them. So, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope we can work together. This is part of our, part of our strategy is um, come to the table and sit with us. Hey, we're here now. Perhaps the election cycle isn't where, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, are, are you familiar? Is, is this Fisher's last term? Is he is he out of re-elections? I believe so, yes. Okay. So, hey, I don't know if we're lame ducking here yet, but, you know, what does it hurt, man? Have a sit down with us. We mean no harm. Like, I, I, hope, I hope that is uh, portrayed in so many ways. Uh, we, we come in peace but we will hold you accountable for these things. So what I'm asking here is, 
are the demonstrations enough to change policy or are we going to have to change the political leadership to see any real fundamental change in the economic system and the way the police behave? All, all things are on the table at this time. Do, do I feel like as, as the demonstrations, perhaps that's, I don't know if that's a good bet I can take or not. Um, I hope so. I hope that these demonstrations can, you know, shake the hearts and minds of these people who make these decisions. I just know public perception, the power of it, the sea change of uh, social reform. Um, for example, Black Lives Matter, the term, the term Black Lives Matter. When I was uh, when I was first getting started up around 2013, 2014, it was a bit of a curse word, you know. Um, it would be, you know, met with the retort, all lives matter, or I remember I had a I had a, a sack, like a backpack that I took to an old job and it had Black Lives Matter on it. And uh, I was I was asked I wasn't asked to not wear it, but I was uh, I was questioned about it. And, it, uh, you know, the question was brought, uh, you don't want to get into a political discussion, you know, so this was not a, uh, a favorable term in so many ways. Um, but as you see now, I think I saw the NFL made a statement, uh, you know, all the ruckus that they caused with Kaepernick. The NFL made a statement saying Black Lives Matter. So why, what changed from then to now? You got to take your best guess. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, you, that's a good point. I remember having a discussion with a group of friends from the YMCA, and they were totally against the Kaepernick taking the stand. I think I was the only one there that, that supported that issue. But now people see that taking these stand as totally different things have changed. And you're right, the demonstrations and the peaceful demonstrations that have occurred across the country have got people to rethink their position on several issues. So Absolutely. if these... Yeah, public perception. Yeah, so, so, well, I think those bold individuals who kept this energy up, they... They told those of us who were not as bold, they gave us permission in so many ways that it's okay uh, to make this declaration and, and, and truly embody it. So not to call us, you know, sheep or anything, but so many of us, we have to be given permission because there's so many, there's so many factors at play that, you know, these political systems, they manipulate words and challenge and, and make just these, the, the statement Black Lives Matter. It's a, I love a, one of my favorite comedians, Michael Shea, you know, he's saying uh, how, how much of a base level term it is, Black Lives Matter. It's like, we're not saying matters more, you know, just matters. Like, you know, it just kind of, that was a very thought provoking bit. It's just challenges like, not saying much here, you know. He's like, "What's the what's? Where do we go beyond? You know, what's the step lower than that? Black lives exist, you know. So it's like, so public perception, you know, social pressure works. It just does, you know. If we were to poll uh, white Southerners in the 1960s uh, and then poll them now, do you feel like there should be separate waiting rooms?" Uh, based on the color of your skin. Over time, I think, you know, and, and you know, history uh, will not be kind to those who stand in the way of justice. So I think people are more mindful 
of, uh, you know, where they stand in these moments of history, which I, I feel like we find ourselves in. Absolutely, yeah. So if structural changes will require a, a change in political leadership, how do we put together a coalition, Vincent, powerful enough to fundamentally change the political leadership in this country? How do we get from demonstrations to a change in policy? Yeah, well, I will say those roundtables and powwows are occurring as we speak. Knowing that, you know, this is a, it's an indefinite strike, uh, but all things, it's not eating is the only diet that you can't stay on forever. You know, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a diet. Yes, it's a, you know, this, this thing will come to an end. But with that, perhaps some, some goodwill and public perception that has been garnered. I would hope to be a part of that, you know, discussion of how do we, and we're talking permanent change here, you know, how do we build this thing for kind of lock it in place and, and you know, build a, a, a lasting change. Yeah, I think, um, I guess people that are way more uh, well read on these issues, like our, our good friend K.A., uh, K.A. Owens. Yes, K.A. Owens. Uh, I lean on, on those individuals that, you know, understand these, you know, what a progressive political system uh, could look like. So I'm, I'm excited very much so, and I'm, I, am, I am hopeful uh, in so many ways uh, that we have the scaffolding in place, too. Because so many people, you know, we need, we need permission uh, to move forward in this brave new world. And so so many people will say, Oh, you said you want to defund the police. You want to get rid of police and then replace them with what, you know, that's always their question. Well, what do you, you know, if we can't invent, we, we don't have the imagination to envision a world. We know it's, we know it's not ideal. We know it's not good, but we don't have that imagination sometimes. So that those persons that, that uh, you know, sit and strategize, of what this looks like is when you say replaced with what we're talking about this we we have the work has been done through so many uh you know we have just a beautiful moments in history I, I'm, I'm fond of the, the labor union movement in particular uh the sleeping car porters the uh a philip randolph is a personal hero of mine you know we, we just see so many if you you know if you're a student of history all of these beautiful moments of, you know, lasting change uh, being being brought about. Okay, so uh, one last question, and we have about two minutes here, Vincent Gonzalez, to, to answer this question. So, so making structural changes requires a sustainable long-term movement, as you know. Uh, our demonstrators, uh, are the demonstrations that are occurring now in cities across the country sustainable? Or are they just a method for releasing anger and frustration and will soon dissipate? What's your thoughts? Um, in a constantly expanding universe, you know, the only constant is change. So, you know, I, I being mindful of that, yeah, these, these things have an expiration date. They just do. I don't see any. I don't see any end in sight, and as it pertains to uh, this action, this hunger strike, um, you don't really, 
you don't put your hands up in mile mile three of a marathon. You know, I, I we, we have so much farther to go uh, as far as as it pertains to the street demonstrations. I don't see the energy dissipating any. You know, it might shift somewhat, but it's uh you know people are uh, still out there. But yeah, these things grow, change, they die, uh, they transform. Uh, so yeah, we, we have to have those persons ready to strategize, ready to uh, sit down and say, what is this world that we want to live in going to look like? Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. We want to thank Vincent Gonzalez for taking the time to participate in our discussion today. It focused on the Brianna Taylor Metro Police uh, events. We hope our listeners enjoyed the discussion as much as we did here. The program will be repeated Tuesdays, July 28th, Wednesdays, July 29th. Solutions to Violence airs on Mondays at 5 p.m., Tuesdays at 8 a.m., and Wednesdays at 6 a.m. You can listen live stream by visiting our website for at forwardradio.org and clicking on Listen Live Now. We will place the Solutions to Violence program that features Vincent Gonzalez in our website Wednesday, July 29th. To listen via our archives, just visit our website at forwardradio.org, scroll down to Program Archives, and then scroll down to the Solutions to Violence program that features Vincent Gonzalez. For more information and a schedule of program programming that will surprise and delight you, visit us at forwardradio.org and click on Broadcast Schedule. You may respond to us with your thoughts and suggestions by visiting us at solutionsforviolence18 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, we are Jamie McMillan and Jim Johnson, your hosts for Solutions to Violence. Technical assistance has been provided by Carolyn Brooks Johnson. We leave you with one final thought. Quote, change to me is not about what any one individual does. It's about what we do when we join together and understand that none of us is expendable and that we can make the change we need. From Louisville's own Carla Wallace. Thanks for listening.